Have you ever had a customer experience that made you think there's got to be a better way? An overpriced oil change did that for Adam Alfea, and it led to him opening his first company. His entrepreneurial spirit led to a variety of businesses, including a concierge service and a variety of restaurants and nightclubs. Increasingly, he realized customers stopped engaging when there were service issues and simply took to reviews to express their displeasure. Once again, he thought, there's got to be a better way. How do you facilitate a dialogue between the customer and management in real time so issues can be resolved? This week on Next in Q, Adam and I discuss the most important lesson when dealing with customers, why customers avoid engaging when there are problems, how he leveraged technology to begin the conversation, how instant feedback can improve workforce management, and how instant feedback can improve employee experience. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To, your service team's personal coach, giving them the process, resources, and insights to deliver the perfect customer experience over the phone. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Next in Q. Today, I am joined by Adam Alfia. How are you, Adam? Good. How are you? I am fantastic. You know, normally, uh, we spend a little bit of time talking about kind of your history and where you're coming from. But uh, in today's episode, I think we're actually going to talk a lot about all of that as we go through the process of talking about um, customer feedback and kind of your history and dealing with customers. And so uh, I do want to, though, first kind of go back because you've been involved with a lot of businesses. But wow. my understanding is that all of this began with a 1986 Jaguar. Can, can you tell us? Yeah, about that? XJS, Midnight Blue. So, uh, yeah, I had when I was when I was growing up, I was a huge car buff um and my favorite was a jaguar xjs and i saved up worked you know a bunch of summer jobs till i had enough money and purchased a 1986 jaguar xjs and i remember the first time i had to go get a uh, car repair done you know the one of the maintenance services it was like 1200 bucks and it was ready in a couple of days I went and picked it up and I remember going, you know, what'd y'all do for $1,200? You know, cause I used to, you know, I, I'm self-taught on fixing, you know, brakes. And I one time pulled a uh, transmission out of a Jeep CJ7 cause the clutch was out and I didn't want to pay, you know, the 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks to fix it. So I'm going down the list and it was, you know, check, 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 check. And an oil change. So basically, you know, paid 1200 bucks for an oil change. And it was coincidental because on that day I was I was a uh, freshman at SMU, 
and uh, our entrepreneur, I was an entrepreneurship class and our, our teacher, our professor uh, assigned us to do a mock business plan on something. And, you know, so my mind was already in, you know, what can I, what kind of business can I write a, a, uh, a uh, business plan on? So I asked a guy, I go, I mean, people pay this all the time, 1200 bucks for an old change. Go, oh yeah. I said, is there somewhere else that I can go get an old change for 1200 bucks? He goes, not on Jaguar. So I started thinking, I go, there's got to be, you know, and, and it was that it hit me. It has to be a dealership alternative. Surely somebody else can work on my Jaguar without paying Jaguar prices. And that's really took me on a journey where out of coincidence, I ended up opening up a repair shop with one of my dad's mechanic buddies that I interviewed during, you know, the interview process about the mechanics industry, the mechanical repair industry. And we ended up opening up a shop together. Uh, little did I know the day that we were supposed to start the business, he quit his job and well, he told his boss that he's going to quit and his boss doubled his salary. <laughs> he ended up you know, calling me up while I'm there with, you know, hey, where are you? And he goes, well, I quit today, but my boss doubled my salary, so I'm staying. And, you know, I was 18 years, 19 years old with, you know, no idea about anything about the business. We had to find somebody else in a, in a hurry and that took me, you know, it took me about four years to turn that business into a profitable, profitable one. It was after I graduated from SMU. And then we ended up having four locations throughout Dallas. And uh, in 2005, I kind of got tired of the, you know, I was, I was in it for, you know, 15 years. And uh, it's a really hard business with customer service. And, I mean, you, you had to really keep up. You know, we had loaner cars and our biggest shop had, want to say 60 bays so it was a huge operation but it was just a constant drain i was i mean it was 24 hours a day from we had accounts with AAA that would call us in the middle of the night hey i got a car for you you know so i was really hands-on everything that i do i'm really involved so finally i stepped away and i said i'm selling all of them and uh opened up a, my concierge company but you know it's a, a very very demanding industry and i and i, and I actually stepped away the reason was um, BMW had just come out with its, you know, most of our service, most of our business was maintenance, you know, brakes, old changes, 30,000 mile service, 60,000 mile service. And BMW had come out with a thing saying that if you bought their car, the first four years of maintenance was free. And I saw the writing on the wall. I go, as soon as that's included and what do they need me for anymore? Right. Right. So I, 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 uh, exited, I sold it. The guy ended up not paying me. I lost all the money from that, but you know, that's a, that's a whole different story. And uh, I opened up a concierge company, which really, you know, I, I took my experiences from the automotive industry, just how to give spectacular customer service. And a lot of times it's just probably, you know, uh, over, -prom over promising and, or under promising and over delivering or whatever the, the saying is, just tell people the truth and, you know, be friendly and treat them like you want to be treated in a business. And I took a lot of that experience and opened up a, uh, a virtual concierge company where you can pretty much call a toll-free number 24 hours a day and ask people to do anything you want, you know, from restaurant reservations, hotels, this is way before the internet. And uh, subsequently we ended up being, if you're familiar with OnStar for GM, and we still have these four manufacturers, uh, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Subaru, and Infiniti. You push a button in any of those cars and it comes here to my call center here in Dallas and anything you want, we help you with. So you know, that's, that was my really foray into the, you know, wide spectrum of how do you make people happy with customer service? 
And uh, that's how I kind of, you know, started the feedback platform is um, about 10 years ago, I started a, a chain of hospitality concepts from restaurants to nightclubs to bars. And uh, I saw about five years ago, really a big transformation in customer and guest, guest engagement, where even if a manager walks up to you at a table and you ask, hey, I'm the manager here, how's everything? Is there anything that you need? Customers, even if they're having an issue, won't tell you face-to-face about the issue. They're mm-hmm. just, you know, they're scared of that interaction. A lot of times they're caught off guard. They don't want to be the Karen in the group saying, oh yeah, you know, my fries were cold or whatever <laughs> it is. So they just shut up and don't say anything, but they go online and leave you a negative review instead of you gave them the opportunity to say something, but they just, that, that, you know, face-to-face confrontation really catches people off guard. It takes, you know, only about 10 to 15% of customers will actually tell you your face about issues. The other 85% will either never say anything and not come back, which is the worst because you don't know. And then, you know, the other percentage will, you know, go online and blast you on Google, et cetera, because, you know, you have to wait an extra three minutes for your table or whatever. So, you know, there are legitimate complaints, obviously, you know, bad food, whatever it is, rude, rude waiters, but, you know, let the manager know. If you ask any business owner, do you want to find it out about it on Google, Yelp, et cetera, or would you rather have a customer tell you whether text message, email, smoke signals, whatever it is, hey, I'm having an issue, fix it. Hands down, everybody says, no, tell me, I, I want to fix it while you're there. Once you're gone, it's literally impossible to win a customer back because now it's all in the public. You know, you're, you're having that conversation in public. The customer usually doesn't take your phone call. It's, it's, it's quite an ordeal. So that's why, you know, feedback was born. Yeah. Now, well, we're going to talk about that a lot more in a little bit, but I'm curious with you being in the the auto repair industry and spending all that time, right? That's a it's a very niche industry. You're dealing with a product that a lot of people have a a very strong affinity toward their car. I'm wondering what the biggest customer experience lesson you learned during that time when 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 you when you have your shops. What was the one lesson that you took away from all of that above all else? um tell the truth the truth i mean they say the truth will set you free when you start i mean auto repair shops are notorious even now i mean i've got (laughs) a a stable of cars that i take to the dealership and i know they're the line to me i know and just again i I was prepped to look i used to have a bunch of auto repair shops just tell me what you know get as technical as you can because i understand it and they still lie oh it's i go i know it's not the problem now a lot of times it's under warranty no 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 we'll, we'll That'll fix the problem. And then my wife goes, picks up the car two days later. Hey, it's still doing it. I, got, I knew it wasn't going to fix it. But, you know, you can't, I'm not the mechanic, so I can't really argue with them. But tell the truth, especially about time and expectations, especially we live here in Dallas and, you know, we don't have a public transportation system that most major cities do. So if you got, if you don't have your car, I mean, your SOL, now Uber's now, you know, back then and, you know, 2005 back to 19. 91 there wasn't uber anywhere so if you're without your car you're bumming rides off people and every day that they're calling the shop because hey where's my is my car ready oh it'll be another three days i mean they're remember that um you know yosemite sam where he's cursing you under their breath under the breath <laughs> you could hear it on the phone that you know yeah i'm without my car now for the weekend or whatever it is so it's a pain 
So yeah. I always learned, I go, hey, it's going to be seven or eight days without your car. Can you? And then if it was delivered in five, they're like, oh, my God, thank you. So, you know, it's really important to tell the truth. And one of the things we used to do is actually, uh, this is way back before anybody did it, we used to take, if the customer was there, we had a really nice waiting room. Like a, we, we fashioned like a living room with a fireplace, coffee machine, the whole nine yards. Um, we used to take customers to the back and show them their car, you know, oil leaks, brakes. People are very visual. If you show them that their brakes are metal to metal or if they got an oil leak, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, go ahead and do the repairs. So, um, you know, that's that was the, the takeaway. Just be honest in what you're doing and, you know, customers will always follow. I still get phone calls. It's been, shoot, 17 years since I had model repair shops. People still call me. Hey, I need something with my car. Who do you recommend? And I've still got a you know a network of guys that that I know. So that's one of the things, like doctors and mechanics. Yeah, it seems to me, and you talked about it, right? Uh, I think car shops are notorious for this, but there is when you find a place that is honest with you and says, "Hey, you don't actually need to do this," right? It's fine. I know maybe you replace the cabin filter. It says in the owner's manual to replace it, but we took it out and we, you know, just patted it off and it's fine. You don't need to replace it. That automatically makes me trust that place more. And I want to go back because I know they're not trying to rip me off. And right. there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. We had a rule, uh, light bulbs and uh, fuses never cost anything. So if a customer pops up and he goes, Hey, my blinker is turning blinking fast. We'd go grab a bulb. From our we had a huge extensive parts department and not a problem to take out don't worry about it because really yeah yeah don't worry about it let me pay yeah. you now. i mean those little things add up and, yeah. and they will take someone who maybe didn't have any loyalty to you and turn them into a very loyal customer in a hurry yeah. so then you made this interesting transition and I want to talk about that, right? What led you into like the restaurant and the bar business? I know you mentioned that, that you um, made that transition, but what was the, what was the genesis of that? Well, uh, I, I, I had just recently been divorced, A. B, I got my first big check from Infinity when we started the Infinity Personal Assistant Program. Um, and a friend of mine had a nightclub, a very popular nightclub that was here for years that was, uh, winding down and he wanted to sell it. So it was a really a perfect storm of that. Plus, you know, I wanted a place to, uh, to meet girls, to be honest, <laughs> you know, build a mouse trap, catch a mouse kind of a thing. So, uh, I ended up finding my wife and meeting my wife there. So a successful mousetrap is what you're Very know. successful mousetrap. Yeah. <laughs> so... The concierge business, I imagine that you also gained a lot of insight into customer experience, but in a different way, because you've literally got people calling for uh, completely unpredictable things, because as you said, right, they can call for anything. They might need roadside assistance, but they might also just want to make reservations at a restaurant or, or some other thing uh, while they're on the go. Uh, plan we've we've planned weddings we've uh had excursions <laughs> to italy we've uh somebody their um their uh father passed away and he was a big uh johnny walker whiskey uh you know aficionado so we found them like one of these original uh johnny walker bottles way back went from way back when and we had to turn into an urn 
Oh, wow. So, I mean, all sorts of, you know, cool things that, you know, people, hey, you know, what if our, our, our tagline was and still is anything, anytime, anywhere, and you find out really quickly that anything's a big word. Yeah, absolutely. So you're basically condensing the internet into an agent that will do things for you and find out information. And that was our biggest thing. We don't just give you information. We'll actually do things on your behalf. I, I still use it. You know, if I go to a hotel and I get my folio, you know, in the email and there's like three or four charges that, you know, I had a bad meal somewhere or they were, you know, they charged me. I just forward to my personal assistant and go, hey, line number two, four and eight need to be removed, take care of it. And they will call the hotel and send me an email an hour later. Okay, they're sending you a credit. I'd have to get mad if I have long hold times with a certain company with my uh, AT&T cable. I send, my, I send the email to my assistant. They wait on hold and then they'll uh, patch me in once they get an agent on the phone. So it's uh, quite convenient. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like it. So you, I've heard that you call Yelp a revenge site. And, and we've talked a little bit about Google reviews, but let's let's dive into that a little bit more. Uh, why do you have that view? And what are you doing to, to change that? So, yeah, you know, from, so I come from it from both a consumer uh, view and a restaurant owner view. I've got, dozens of restaurants and the issue is that Yelp wants you to advertise with them but then when you have reviews on your for your business that are clearly either competitors and or you can prove that that customer never visited your location so they have you know competitors will go on there and leave negative reviews to knock you down um so if you have proof that that customer never ate it you ask the customer hey I don't see you in our database when you eat here send, send me a receipt credit card amount and the customer can't produce it you can send it to yelp but a lot of times they'll deny it so it's a very open platform for getting negative reviews so they want you to you know so it's a love-hate relationship you want mm -hmm. them to advertise your business but then when you have issues when people are leaving in reviews that you know they're naming customers by name or they're using profanity or whatever it is and they're supposed to remove it sometimes they don't um so it's a very it's too open you know, and I know they say they have algorithm algorithms to detect if it's you know somebody going and doing a bunch of you know uh, to all their competitors, but sometimes you know they need to remove stuff and they don't. Um, furthermore, you know it it sometimes gives people a uh, you know on the flip side you have restaurants that can pay you know or ask sixty of their friends to leave Google reviews for the business. So now it's giving you a negative, I mean, a positive, a false positive on the type of restaurant it is. Right. But, you know, the, look, it's it's not that there isn't a perfect review system because, you know, I try to stay away from leaving negative reviews for any business just because I'm in it. But I've had probably three scenarios in my life that I'm, you know, hey, let me speak to the manager and I go, look, if you don't do this, this and this, I'm going to leave you a negative review. And they they still refuse, and I've I've left three negative reviews in my life, and wow. you know I, I occasionally get things from Google, mostly on Google, that I get a uh, an email saying, "Hey, your reviews have been seen five thousand times," and I go, "These people," and nobody's even responded to me, you know, it through Google, you know, through the business, which right, is, right, right, which is really really paramount. I mean, you know, even if you have things slip through the cracks, a customer's mad, leaves a negative review, 
Google actually looks at, you know, the way you're responding to the Google reviews and your ranking. So their thought is if you don't care about Google enough to respond to customers that are leaving your reviews, good or bad, you know, we're not going to prioritize you on your li on the list of when people are searching for XYZ restaurant, we're going to lower you down because you don't care about Google. We don't care about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that makes a lot of challenge, right? I mean, obviously uh, there's a, a necessary evil in, in dealing with uh, those review systems. And in some ways they can benefit you when you're getting good reviews. Uh, but all of that led to something new that, that you're doing, which is real-time feedback. So tell us more about that platform and what the objective is. The objective really is to open a conversation, open a dialogue between the customer and management. Um, a lot of times, and I'm sure you and your audience have experienced this, you go to a store and you'll walk around aimlessly for five or six minutes looking for somebody to help you with whatever the case may be. You know, I'm, I'm a big do-it-yourself person in Home Depot all the time. And, you know, you'll go to the saw area and you need to cut some lumber and there's no one to be found. You know, half the time they've got warm bodies in there just to have warm bodies. You'll walk up to four or five. Go, hey, I need to get some. Oh, I don't have the code. OK, well, can you find somebody? Go, well, let me call. And then you hear you know, them paging somebody for like four or five minutes. Nobody shows up. I got to go find a manager. Turns out that the only guy that can. You know, if I would have known that, I would either just taken the lumber, cut it myself. But I'm, you know, I've spent 15 time, 15 minutes of my time walking around. So the the the, the idea is how do I get my comments, my issues, et cetera, in front of the right people quickly. And we found that um, digitally is the best way, obviously. People hate making phone calls. Even if I give you a phone number to call and goes, hey, call this guy. People shy away from calling anyone. I've got six kids and you know, I'll call, I'll call them and they won't answer and they'll respond with a text, <laughs> what's up? So, well, why don't you answer the phone? I'll tell you. And sometimes I find myself in a conversation back and forth through text. I go, just call me. I mean, it's much easier just to have a three-minute conversation than a 20-minute chat dialogue, you know, text dialogue. But um, so we built the platform to be just that. Um, we put, we installed it in our restaurants uh, about four years ago and found that engagement went through the roof. Customers have given the chance to leave a quick note that they know goes to a manager. Um, feel much more comfortable having that behind a text dialogue rather than face-to-face. -face. Not to Not to say that, that dialogue doesn't lead to a face-to-face -face conversation, but it starts off a lot easier when they can make a complaint through the uh, through the platform. Um, and we found that customers have lots of things that they want to let a business know. You know, whether it's we have a, a restaurant chain here in Dallas that uh, got a bunch of complaints about how dusty their fans were. You know, if you ever look up at a restaurant, you'll find all sorts of you know things, light bulbs out ceiling tiles missing. I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in uh, the rest, uh, a restroom tells a lot about the, the way a business takes care of its yeah. uh, everything else, because, you know, you go in there, you're usually by yourself. You're looking around. If you go to the stall, you know, you got about 30 to 60 seconds to just look around and absorb things. And if their countertop is dirty, if they're missing paper towels, out of toilet paper, no soap. I mean, that's something that every, pretty much every customer sees when they go into a restaurant or a majority of them. If they don't take care of that small, small area, you know, what's going on behind the kitchen, you know, behind the, they say that most restaurants, if you walk into their kitchen, you probably wouldn't eat there again because, you know, <laughs> it's mayhem. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, so now we're a big, you know, proponent of putting QR codes in the restrooms, let a manager know. I don't know how many times I've walked out of a bathroom with no paper towels and I'm, you know, wiping my wet hands on my pants and I'll see somebody go, hey, you're out of paper towels in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can see him just keep on going. I go, they're not going to tell anybody. So how do I get that information directly to the person who can get the towels put into the bathroom? And it's not only just information going one way. The big thing about real-time feedback is it's a two-way platform. So as soon as the manager gets it, we have quick responses that based on the comment, I can just click on a button and says, thanks for letting us know we're sending somebody to take care of the bathroom. And customers, when you tell them that, if you respond like within a minute, two minutes, somebody's responding to you, you go, wow, not only did I just helped the restaurant, but they responded. I feel better about, you know, you know, the care and concern of that restaurant or that business to my needs. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me. I have been, uh, you know, we just had an episode about uh, net promoter score, right? And voice of the customer can come in a lot of different ways, but a lot of the ways that we think about voice of the customer are uh, periodic, they may be after the fact, and they may take some real time to address an issue. And what you're doing is saying, no, 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 let's let's address the issue right now. And in a retail, a physical location, it may not be for every business, but for those physical locations, that sounds like a way to then, if I do have some other type of survey, but more importantly, like just repeat customers, that's what I'm going to get out of that because I'm fixing issues in the moment as opposed to just waiting on it. Exactly. And especially we, we have things called trigger codes where it takes very minimal effort by the consumer. So for example, we launched a retail location that has uh, certain counters that are locked. Um, so people need to come with a key. So we created trigger codes or patented where you just scan the code and it automatically sends a notification to everybody that has a key saying a customer is needing service mm. assistance in whatever area, perfume or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll respond back to the customer. I'm on my way. That customer feels a lot more confident in doing business with that with that company because, you know, they're responsive. They care. Customer doesn't have to walk around like an idiot looking for, you know, looking for somebody with a key. So it's uh, it's been a an incredible uh, journey because we, you know, I'm a very uh, process oriented guy. I'll, I'll see a problem and I go, Hey, why don't we build something that addresses that? And it's been, uh, it's been fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. I'm curious uh, for some of these businesses, maybe smaller businesses. Have you ever experienced issues where whomever is getting feedback uh, isn't actually doing anything about that and and that feedback is not being actioned and uh, then there's an issue that maybe ownership doesn't know about or whoever's running uh, everything at the highest level doesn't know about because someone is is kind of getting in the way of that feedback? Yeah, so um, we, we actually just had that. We have a very large Ford dealership, I'm not going to mention the name, that we launched on the platform um in their service department so the way that works in the automotive industry and, and some other industries like fitness and, and doctor's offices is as soon as um you leave as soon as you pay for your services in, in the dealership within one minute you get a text message and that'll say rob this is a service manager of xyz dealership thanks for your trusting us with your automotive service needs 
on a scale of one to five, how would you rate your overall experience? And then if they click, it takes them to a site called one through five.com, which we own. If they click on five stars, it automatically says, thanks for your great review. Can you please continue it on Google or Yelp or whatever? It redirects you to a third-party site for you to leave a review. If it's anything but five stars, one through four, it then says, we're sorry we didn't provide you a five-star experience. Can you let, it, let us know what part of your experience we can continue to improve on? And then they put in whatever that problem is. Just one, it's, it's not a survey, it's just what, how do we fail? And that goes directly to the service manager. Well, the biggest problem the dealership had was the service manager. Oh, he wasn't no. responding. So even before we launched a platform, a lot of their negative reviews on Google and Dealer Raider and all that were about, hey, I had an issue. They told me the service manager called me, never called me back. I left them voicemails, whatever it is. So he was, and we didn't know this when we launched them, turns out that he was burying the negative feedbacks as marking them as resolved without ever responding to the customer. Same thing, same pattern. So our success manager that was in charge of that goes, hey, I've got, I've never seen this before. The guy's resolving, you know, marking them as resolved, never responding to the customer. So we built a functionality called escalation that if they see that a certain amount of feedbacks aren't being responded to in time or they're being closed out without ever responding to the customer, we can put another layer on top of whoever's supposed to get the notification for it to be escalated. And within we built that, didn't say anything to anybody. Within two days, the owner of the general manager of the dealership called us up and goes, Hey, what's going on with all these? <laughs> go, well, we're glad you called. I go, the guy's not handling it. And within a week it was all solved. Now it turns out they ended up letting the gentleman go because you know you can't, I mean, the guy's been doing it for years. You can't fix, you know, there was a fundamental issue he, he just didn't yeah. want to get customer service but you know it is it is a problem because one of the things when we launch companies we, we preface it you really want to have to know not only want to know but have to and usually it's very simple customers just want to be heard just you know and, and a lot of times it's an issue with a person that you know just maybe isn't a good fit for your organization but it'll highlight fundamental issues in your operations that you know, that's the whole point of surveying for large organizations is let us find weak points, but usually they don't get, they, they get solved organization wide, but very rarely store centric. So a customer doesn't care about like Bed Bath & Beyond is a place that I've had sometimes very poor experiences and I get their surveys, but their surveys, you know, fixes things uh, company wide, but it won't address things on a store level. And a lot of times you never, I mean, I've never gotten a response from any survey that I've ever filled out and I've filled out hundreds because people don't expect to get responses from surveys. And that's where our platform is different is we want, we train managers to usually respond within, you know, four to five minutes at the most. But, you know, we have one of our favorite customers and longtime customers for four years is American Airlines Center here in Dallas where the Mavericks and the Stars play. And their response time is under three minutes, you know, lifetime. They're responding to customers, you know, because we, we have an app that a manager can get these and they get them whenever they come in and can respond immediately. And, you know, there's security concerns that they handle. People are getting in fights, people falling, you know, broken chairs. And they're, you know, they get on an average night anywhere from 70 to 80 um, feedbacks. And they're, and they have one girl in the central command that's making sure as he's come in, she's responding to customers and then getting on the walkie-talkie and dispatching, you know, whatever needs to be done. But, you know, when, when somebody cares, it, it shows. Actually, 
uh, the girl, Gina, who's the guest, the guest experience manager at American Airlines Center, uh, this year won from the NBA the Pete Weinmiller Guest Experience Award, Innovation Award. Wow. And in the article that the Mavs, you know, the whole thing she talks about is real-time feedback and how it's transformed, how easy it is to manage guest expectations in real time. So it's been a big, uh, big, you know, big win for for our company that it was, you know, we got a big article about it and all that. So, yeah, I, I can imagine in a place that size too, just finding an employee to address a need. Actually, just recently, you know, I was at a, a place where there were a lot of people, and my wife and I found a, a kid. You know, he's like two years old, and he's not with his parents, and he seems to be lost. And trying to find someone to help this child who is clearly lost, we were lucky uh, that we were able to find someone quickly. But I would imagine, you know, in some places that could be really difficult. And if you've got something where you can just alert someone right away and say, hey, I, I have this need, that can make a huge difference in getting whatever the issue is resolved and resolved quickly. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, funny you say that our, our one of our big industries that we're concentrating on now is parks and recreation. So, you know, they, they're really just like everybody else are really challenged with, um, you know, finding enough help post pandemic to manage mm -hmm. city utilities going out. If you've been to a public park, they, you know, a lot of times have porta potties in there, obviously swings, water fountains, uh, you know, water fountains can be just, you know, going off. Sprinklers could be broken. Um, and there's no real good way other than maybe dialing 311, which, you know, sometimes you got to sit on hold for 15 minutes. People don't look, I'll help. I'll alert you about things, but just don't make it too hard for me. Yeah. So uh, we're recently, we have uh, five cities that have already launched us. Dallas is uh, about to launch us as well. But imagine going to a public park where they have QR codes throughout the park and anything you need. You scan the QR code and go, hey, your porta potty's full or disgusting or your sprinkler head's broken. And that goes directly to, you know, to the city and they automatically assign it to a department, somebody responds to you. And now you can be a voice, you know, voice of the customer to help you know, the city you live in, you know, better manage uh, their resources. Because I imagine, you know, you know, Dallas has 400 parks and finding that rotation where, you know, a group of people are visiting every park on a weekly, bi-weekly, whatever it is schedule. You know, let's concentrate the personnel on the places that have the issues rather than having them aimlessly walk around looking for stuff. Sure, sure. So I'm wondering with all of these different implementations you've done over the years, uh, what mistakes have you seen and, and maybe tried to have to guide people when they implement uh, something like this? Uh, usually it's the uh, copy, you know, in the because we have, you know, QR codes on signs. So a lot of times they'll try to make a look at the survey, which you don't mm -hmm. want to because people have survey fatigue. I don't want to take another survey. So we really have to make sure that the consumer, whoever's going to be submitting the feedback, understands that this is a very simple guest engagement platform or customer engagement platform where they can simply send it and it'll get and responded to. So we try to really condense, you know, people only have three seconds of time to get their attention. Um, so that's been, you know, a little bit of a challenge. I think we got the copy now. Our, our feedbacks when we implement correctly um, have really uh, skyrocketed, not to mention now that uh, we've integrated with so many processes, 
that now we're actually sending out a text message as part of our platform to a customer that we know just interacted with that business. Hmm. So, um, you know, anywhere from, from uh, I own a, a, a cycling and, uh, and uh, fitness studio with my wife. And we recently implemented it that um, every time you check or when you check in for a class, our classes are you know 50 minutes long, uh, 55 minutes after you check in, you get a text message from our manager. It's an automated text message. It says, please review uh, your experience on a one to five scale. And if it's five, it automatically goes to Google. We had uh, two months ago, we had about 50 five-star reviews and now we're at 158. In, uh, in two months, just from that little implementation. Plus we've gotten the ones that are negative, you know, hey, the class was not as long as I want or whatever it is that people put, we can immediately address it, immediately respond to the customer, talk to the instructor. One time we had one that came in saying that our instructor had BO. And, um, you know, that's something that you would never tell somebody face-to-face. If yeah. they ask you, hey, what do you think? He goes, well, you know, your, your, your instructor stunk. You know, it's hard to say, but if it's digital, you know, people, we call them keyboard warriors. You give them a keyboard and you can't see who they are and they'll tell you. Now, granted, this person sent it in anonymously um, because they didn't want to really reveal who said it, but no problem. You know, we now got that information. My manager said, you know what? I've noticed that as well. I'm going to say something and I can even show them the text message because it's a lot easier for me to tell them that they're having a, a hygiene issue when somebody complained about it rather than it's just me, which, which also one of the, the surprisingly 25% of all our feedbacks actually come in from employees. So now, you know, there's a huge, you know, you heard about the big, big quit and, you know, people resigning and, you know, you know, especially the younger generation wants to feel appreciated. So now you're really giving a megaphone because they know it's going straight to management for them to complain about workplace issues or a rat, whatever it is that they want to complain about. Now they have a, a voice channel directly to management to let their you know, voice be heard. And a lot of times that's empowering um, to be able to have direct line of communication with management. And about 5%, 10% of the feedbacks from employees are co- come in anonymously, which if you think about it, a lot of businesses don't have a, a completely uh, anonymous channel for you to let management know about issues or anything else you want to know. Hey, we could be doing better if we did X, Y, Z, because they're you know they're afraid of retaliation by their their bosses. So now you can have a direct line of communication to the upper management by simply using the the feedback system. Well, and I think we all recognize that a good customer experience starts with employees that care, and employees that care they want a good experience, and so that's a great mechanism to allow employees to to let people know hey this is an issue because uh, if you're not doing that and you're not listening to your employees uh, the good ones may just quit yeah i mean what one of the things we, we recently launched a chain in florida uh an electronic chain and you know it's they cater to the lower end demographic uh kind of like a best buy but you know, most of their clients are not coming in and spending, you know, $8,000 on TVs. But they they said that one of their biggest issues, one of their negative, biggest negative reviews was their cashiers were not friendly. Mm. Now, anybody can be friendly. You just got to put a smile on and pretend you're happy, right? But, you know, they, a lot of cash, a lot of employees know that customers will not go and complain to their boss with their name 
So just do as you know as little as they can. So I recommended, why don't we put QR codes on every on every register that says, let management know how, how happy their that your cashier was today. The QR codes, and as soon as that the cashier knew that that was there, and you see like an employee a customer scanning that QR code, they put a big smile on their face. How are you today? You know, so now now they know that I can complain if you're not happy and it's right there in your face. And they said it completely transformed the entire checkout experience. Now we even gamified it where the each location gave away a prize, a, a cash prize of a couple hundred dollars over a three month period, whichever cashier got the most accolades. And I bet you, you have no idea that every time a customer came to check out, hey, can you do me a favor? Let me know, I let my boss know how great I was today. And they're smiling and asking about their day. And so it makes a huge difference. Yeah, you can turn it into an incentive really quickly. In right. That, you know. Plus, people like to be rewarded for doing good stuff. So, you know, hey, Susie, you got, you know, 15 great uh, reviews today from customers. Keep up the good work. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me. I wonder, do, have you had any customers who are running a separate type of survey, like it, like an NPS or something along those lines, both before and after implementing this, and and did they see a difference overall? Or well, is there not? Yeah, yeah. So we we actually don't recommend for anybody to remove any current systems that they're doing because look, we we are really an operational tool. Really, we are here to fix things right now. NPS is usually after the fact. So we always recommend we're not a replacement of surveys. We're a complement to them. So, I mean, there are systems like Qualtrics, Medallia mm -hmm. that are sent out, et cetera. And we're a great complement to those because we'll let you know operationally, you know, how your store is doing and things that you can really concentrate on. And then NPS um, helps companies go, okay, you know, how are we doing holistically? But a lot of times you'll see that as uh, customers engage with our platform as, as a business, NPS will increase, you know, not huge over a short amount of time, but over a long period of time. You know, our, like I said, our oldest customer is American Airlines Center back from uh, the middle of uh, 2019. And they have seen a dramatic, not only recognition with this award, for example, but just social media posts, et cetera, about how responsive they are. Um, so it does, it does affect, uh, it does affect the NPS over a long period of time. Nothing's immediate. Right. But, right. You know, the, the customers that would, would otherwise have bad experiences to me, the biggest win is a turnaround customer, you know, so, you know, one of the car dealerships that we launched for Ford customer picked up their vehicle, complained about their, uh, their air, their, their, um, uh, tire pressure light being on picked up their car, tire light pressure light was still on. He just ordered a bunch of parts for the vehicle that he had to come back for. And he got back in his car and, we, and, and on the automotive program, they actually have a hang tag in the rear view mirror. Let our service manager know about your experience. So within minutes of him getting his car, send a feedback in and he goes, hey, you know, I just picked up my car, my, my, my tire light's still on. Um, I don't believe you guys did anything to my car. I don't even trust the oil change. I want to cancel all the parts I just ordered. You know, he was getting, you know, some accessories and the manager, you know, we, we have the screenshot of the conversation. Hey, this is a service manager. Is it okay if I call you, call the customer, 
And then afterwards he goes, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. I appreciate you explaining everything. Go ahead and keep the parts ordered. And uh, the guy sent him a review request and he left him a five-star review on Google. And he says in there, you know, first I was, you know, worried that they never did anything. And after the manager called me and explained everything, I'm fully confident in their abilities. I love this place. And all it was, was it takes, you have to drive another 10 miles before your tire pressure light resets. But, you know, to him, it was like, oh my God, they didn't do anything. So that, and you know, we were able to save a customer. We had another one that, you know, went in there for an old change and they told him an hour. And this is a huge problem right now where people go, yeah, it's an hour old change. And they are, they're there for two and a half hours because they're short staffed. And the guy go, you know, we have a QR code in the waiting room. I'm never coming back here again. I've been here for two and a half hours. Nobody's checked up on me, blah, blah, blah. Manager responds, uh, went talk to him. And in the tech, in the message, he goes, I was going to buy another Toyota uh, in the next couple of months for my wife. I'm not definitely not buying it here. Ser service manager went in there, talked to the customer, called him the sales manager. The guy ended up buying a car that night for his wife. <laughs> that's a big so, I mean, win. You're yeah, you're taking a customer that's pissed off. And you're you're reacting it to it right then, so it's not let me let the customer cool down. No, you, when the customer is pissed off, that's the time to make sure that you you can walk in and take care of them. Not two days later when you see it on Google. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that we've had an opportunity to explore a different kind of voice of the customer because I do think in the customer experience world we get a little hung up on kind of. Uh, certain tried and true methods, but there are other avenues that we need to be aware of to try and capture data in or near real time. And this seems like just a, a wonderful way to do that. Uh, if somebody wanted to uh, learn more about uh, this platform, where should they go? Realtimefeedback.com. That's really hard to remember. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Do you have a QR code for that? <laughs> and keep in mind, I know people say that the voice of the customer, what really customers want is a conversation with the customer. Yeah. Voice is really, is really a one-way conversation with the customers telling you stuff. But really the response is the magic. Because customers, yeah. you know, don't want to have be an echo chamber where they're just telling stuff and, you know, they don't know where it went. Anybody got it? Are they doing anything about it? It's really customers want the conversation. Yeah, I love that. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining Next in Q and, and talking to us about this. It's uh, It's been really great having you on the show. I appreciate it. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, Please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.